The winner is. 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 And the winner is. Or something I can say in your luggage. Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Yes. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Daily, where we deconstruct divas in film, television, and music. And today I'm super excited that we get to deep dive into like one of my favorite girl groups ever, the Sisters with Voices, SWV. But as you know, before we get into it, we have to knock out a few things first. If you're interested in following us, you can find us on social media at Diva Daily's Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Email us at DivaDailyspod at gmail.com. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, don't forget to rate and review subscribe if you leave a review or reach out to us in any way we will read your message on the pod and play the voicemail if you send a voice message and without further ado i hear the voice of sandra o wafting in the background which can only mean the entrance of the og steffi uh, no, Queen is coming to Grove High School. How you doing? Yes, I am here and I am doing great. How are you? <laughs> you already know I'm chilling, chilling like a villain, you know? And speaking of Sandra O, oh, I believe she recently celebrated a birthday. Hey, shout out to Sandra O. Oh. Happy birthday, yes. Gupta, a.k.a. Christina Yang, a.k.a. Eve of course. Palastri. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of oh my god you guys there is an edit in this episode that has to do with killing eve and i wow wow that's all i have to say that is like the deep recesses of my mind like that is a peek into what's going on up here so oh my god. it's very cringe but it's really funny and it can only happen here that's all i'll say <laughs> i just realized what it is yeah it's happening <laughs> it's here the edit is here stuffy i heard that we might have some listener feedback cue it up janet okay so you guys the past two weeks angie and i didn't really do listener feedback because the pussycat doll episodes were just so long that we just didn't have time to do the listener feedback at the top of the episode. But now we are going to do a little catch up. So the first person that DM'd us on Instagram is at the Video Vixen Diaries. And this person said, your episode on the Pussycat Dolls debut album was so good. PCD is one of my all-time favorite girl groups and their debut album is 2000s music staple that stands the test of time despite having too many covers in the second half of the album. This person goes on to say the covers could have been replaced with songs like Flirt and We Went As Far As We Felt Like Going. I've never heard of those songs. Have you? No. Yeah, so maybe we need to do 
Pussy cat dolls around too. Just kidding. Right. <laughs> People are like, oh my god. <laughs> that last title is very intriguing, though. Yeah. We went as far as we felt like going. Talk about a long title. Yes. <laughs> and then we have a message from our buddy Danielle in Michigan. Hey. Danielle is just like living it up in our DMs. <laughs> we love all of the messages and feedback, Danielle. Yes. So here we go. Danielle said, I love Danity Kane part two episode. Thanks for the shout outs. I see Angie and I will be the only ones still here for the interludes. I was cracking up at your open disdain, me, my open disdain for this album. And then she said, I just listened to the Pussycat Dolls episode two. And I'm like, yes, this is where we can agree. Freshman year of high school, you couldn't tell me I wasn't the seventh Pussycat Doll. And yes, I noticed there were six. (laughs) Actually, I think they were out during my eighth grade year in middle school. Don't you don't funk with my heart and lose control were the first songs I downloaded on my pink iPod mini. And just like you mentioned, every morning I get ready to MTV hits playing the beep music video on loop. Those were the days. Yes. Those were the days, Danielle. Yes. And I got to tell her she has incredible taste because, yes, them interludes on that Danity Kane album (laughs) are so fire. The end. Okay. <laughs> Boom. There you go. You guys can connect and bond over that. Um, Danielle also said, I was cracking up at how for every time you and Angie would announce the next track, you do a sample of your rendition of the song. Right now. I busted out laughing. <laughs> Y'all, Steffi sings a lot on the pod. I feel like with every new episode we do, the more I sing. Yes. So get ready for my singing. <laughs> It's like karaoke <laughs> while we're recording. Okay. Danielle also said, sorry, I got to say, I'm listening back to the podcast. Yo, the level of excitement you have talking about the buttons video is hilarious. I mean, it was a moment. It was a moment. There's no other way to talk about buttons except to be super excited. You know? I mean, the flames. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should play Danielle's audio message that she sent us right now. Hey, so I'm listening to the Pussycat Dolls Part 2 episode. Love it so far. But I got to say, I couldn't agree more with Angie on the transition of uh, Nicole was taking to her solo career. I agree. It was bad marketing strategy. I think she essentially was competing against her own songs with the Pussycat Dolls in that era. Baby Love and Whatever You Like were not going to do as good as Buttons and Don't You. Like, people were still blasting that on the radio. And it's like, damn, Nicole, like, I know you could do whatever you like, but you were just going to abandon the group this fast? Like, come on, girl. Well, thank you for agreeing with me. I... (laughs) I love that you agree with me. But yeah, Nicole was out here doing a lot. I mean, <laughs> she should have been focused on one thing. She tr- she tried. She tried. You know, honestly, Nicole is still trying because recent, like a couple of days ago, yeah. she went viral on like Twitter and TikTok because she posted a TikTok video of herself where it was like, when people ask you to make solo music and then people were like, Nicole, no one has been asking you <laughs> for solo music. So... <laughs> Shout out to Nicole. <laughs> Keep doing you. Nicole also <laughs> recently, the other day, I posted this on our Instagram stories, but who knew? She had such a hand in practically forming One Direction. Did you see That's that video? Right. Yeah, yeah. For America's Got Talent, right? I think it's X Factor. X Factor. X Factor. Word, word, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, if you haven't seen the video, X Factor 
two days ago or a couple days ago now posted this never before seen clip of Nicole and Simon Cowell and I think his name is Louis Walsh Mm. basically they were like the three judges of X Factor at the time when the One Direction boys were contestants and they literally show them like moving the pictures around to form these different you know boy bands and Nicole practically formed One Direction yeah (laughs) pretty much Single-handedly. Let's do an imaginary boy yeah, okay, 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 start one. Okay. And, instead of just saying no. Exactly. Yes. We oh, like him. Yes. Absolutely. We like him. Yeah. 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 Nicole's right. Absolutely. And him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Because they look good together. The cutest boy band ever. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. 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 The little girls are gonna love him. I want to know, like, where's Nicole's check? Like, does Listen, she have a percentage? She's gonna be like on a behind the music. Years later, it's <laughs> like, I formed the band. Do you guys understand? I formed the band. Yeah, just like she did in Behind the Music. She'll be like, do you understand what I'm saying? I moved the pictures. I formed the band. Therefore, I should get a percentage. Do you understand what I'm saying? We played the album for the Pussycat Dolls. Nicole, we understand. You should get a cut. That's all I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's read a review that was left on Apple Pod. Let's do it. Okay, so this comes from CNF0508. Wow. <laughs> what a what a name. Uh, <laughs> okay, anywho. Thank you, whoever you are. CNF0508. This person said, I first came across Steffi through her YouTube channel and was thrilled to find out about her podcast. Angie has been a great addition and the banter and chemistry is so funny. Great podcast. Five stars. It's a five star experience. Thank you, person, whoever you are. I appreciate it. Give me a shout out. Angie, the people love you to the point where like, I mean, Nikita Ray, who we're going to get into, like, didn't even want me in their conversation here. So we love Nikita Ray because whenever he listens to the podcast, usually he will live tweet. Yeah. I love that. So Nikita Ray said, I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that doesn't particularly care for the second half of PCD. Top three for me are Button, Stick With You, and Beep. Fair. That's fair. Good choices. And then Nikita Ray also said, OMG, I was actually wondering how you felt about Doll Domination. I think as a whole, it's a better album, but if PCD was a six-track EP, it would have been miles better. I Hate This Part is my fave. I do like I Hate This Part. I love that song. I love that song. I hate this part <laughs> right here. It's the drums for me. But I still love the first album better because it's just me too. hit after hit after hit. You can't mess with that. This is from Bria Johnson. 
Bria said, I'm finally listening to the Danity Kane episode on Google Podcasts. I'm not sure on how to comment there, so I'm here to tell you how awesome you are. I owned both Danity Kane albums as a kid and loved it, but now I totally agree with you. You being me, Steffi. Thank you. She said, it's pretty bad. It's giving me Disney Channel quality. Nah, Disney Channel is that girl, okay? I love Disney Channel too. Yes, so therefore Danity Kane's album. I'm not okay, even well. I don't know why I'm going up for Danity Kane's album like this. It's just nostalgia at this point. <laughs> well, growth, self awareness. Love to see it. Yes. Yay. <laughs> and then Bria also said, I want to do a podcast reacting to solo Jackson family albums. I consider myself a fan of the family as a whole, but after listening to Diva Dailies, I realized I have never listened to a full album not made by Janet or Michael. I'm again oh. on that. So do you have any like album recs? Because I personally have not listened to an album in full that is not by Janet or Michael as well so isn't the only one worthy of listening this sounds shady the only one worthy of listening to is Jermaine because he had a successful oh yeah he actually had a solo career yeah I have a few Jermaine vinyls oh I haven't listened to him yet I I inherit them from my dad oh cool cool yeah but I mean who else who else is there LaToya LaToya. La 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 life with LaToya. You could stream that, Bria. <laughs> la 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 life with LaToya. La 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 life with LaToya. That's me. Rebe. Centipede. Centipede. Mm-hmm. How do we miss Centipede? Miss Centipede. Didn't Michael, like, write that for her? I believe so. Yeah. Don't you know in the quiet of the night when the snake is in the crawling and the moon starts to and Start off with Centipede, then work your way to Jermaine, maybe Tito. It's Tito time. <laughs> and our last message, sorry, this is like taking so long, but you know, we had a lot of feedback, which we love. Our last message came from my friend Miranda. And Miranda basically um, first said, finally got to listen to the Danity Kane part one episode of Diva Dailies. I loved it. So funny to hear you and Angie bicker so much. You really hated it. Ha ha ha. Thanks for some fun. Also, you are so right. There are so many parallels to better songs on their album. Oh, my favorite sentence. I love to hear you are so right. Thanks, Miranda. Oh my God. (laughs) But Miranda also has a request. Yes. She said, Diva Dailies requests talking about Jojo and how she was on the trajectory to be a great diva and was screwed by her label, now trying to make her way back to the top. Angie, would you like to do an episode about JoJo one day? Absolutely, because then we get to talk about Blackground Records, which we haven't done on the pod yet. Tony Braxton was on Blackground Records for a hot second. That was a label where she released the Libra album. And, of course, Aaliyah was on Blackground Records. It's actually her uncle, I think his name is Harry or Barry Hankerson. He is the like CEO person of Black Round. I'm down. Well, there you go, Miranda. I had a feeling you were going to say yes. Yes. She was like 
on track to really being that girl. Yes, she was blowing up. Dude, I remember, <laughs> get out, leave right now. It's the end of you Yes, and I used me. to bump that record, okay? <laughs> get out, leave right now. It's the end of you and me. It's too late now. I can't wait for you to be gone. Also, Whitney Houston really liked that song, too. Yes. As for Whitney's 12-year-old daughter, she's a little more current. What does Bobby Christina listen to? Who is she, who is she interested oh in? Who's God. her, the she, thing? She loves uh, JoJo. Get up, right now. Get up, right now. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she loved that JoJo's song. JoJo's 13. You guys, Whitney had taste. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Maybe not so much in her personal life. <laughs> Yikes. Oh. But <laughs> professionally, always on point. <laughs> well, that's it. That is the end of listener <laughs> feedback. But thank you guys so much for your feedback. We really do appreciate hearing from you. We love to see it, as the kids would say. And um, if you know you want to reach out to us in any way, you can contact us on social media. That's at Diva Daily's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at divadailyspod at gmail.com. Or you can always send us a voice message like Danielle did today before we get into the oscar razzie moment should we do quick diva's headline very quick yes Yes. cue it up spice girls you guys in less than 48 hours we are gonna be in act one of beyonce's renaissance Take a deep breath, everyone. (laughs) The solo era is upon us. Finally, goodbye, Jay-Z. Goodbye, movie soundtracks. Goodbye, tennis ball in Be Alive. Beyonce's here. (laughs) I don't know if she's ever done this, where she released her track listing prior to an album release. I think this is the first time. Well, should we go really quickly through the track listing? Because there's 16 tracks. Yes. Okay. insane. Here we go. If you don't want to know, just forward to the next segment look at the timestamps in the episode description thanks okay so track one will be i'm that girl track two cozy track three alien superstar track four cuff it track five energy track six which we already know break my soul track seven church girl track eight plastic off the sofa oh my (laughs) track nine virgo's groove track 10 move Track 11, Heated. Track 12, Thick, spelled with the Q. Track 13, All Up In Your Mind. Track 14, oh my god, this title is wild. America Has a Problem. Right, Beyonce, it does. <laughs> track 15, Pure Slash Honey. And then the last track, track 16, Summer Renaissance. So Angie, what are you brewing in your mind? Are any of these titles speaking to you? Um, Not really. I feel bad because like, I'm not as excited. Yes. If you if you can see the video, Angie is like very chill and I'm like I'm like leaning <laughs> over the mic. Like here we go. I'm like about to launch into the stratosphere. I mean, it's not that I'm I'm not excited. It's just I don't know how to describe it. Beyonce has done so much already in her career. Yeah. I'm I'm chill. I'm I'm happy f- for whatever she gives us. Mm. I am excited by the features. Okay. 
alleged features. We don't know for sure yet. Mm -hmm. But like Grace Jones, Mm -hmm. she's sampling tons of people like Khalees. So if these are true, I'm just, I'm super excited about that. Mm. Like Grace Jones to come out of nowhere. Grace Jones has been like in hibernation. You don't get a Grace Jones feature. What? Only if you're Beyonce, I guess. Only if you're Beyonce. Well, on that note, though, for those of you guys wondering, yes, we will be talking about Beyonce's renaissance, but we're not going to be talking about it next week because we want to finish off like SWV together so there's like no break in between their episodes so next week will be SWV part two era breakdown and then the following week is going to be Beyonce the album discussion and then the following week after that will be as much as we can talk about with the era right which is going to be interesting because that era breakdown it's like all happening in real time okay let's do this it's the Oscar and Razzie moments of the week this is the segment where we talk about our personal high and low moments of the week. Steffi, get it started. <sighs> okay, so I'm going to pick up and resume my Oscar and Razzie from um, two weeks ago now when I was talking about Jodie Comer oh. and Prima Facey. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so Thursday comes. It is 625 in my room and I'm like, oh shit, I need to leave right now. Because I can't be late to the screening because in my head I'm thinking if they don't see people are in the theater, they might cancel it. Right. So now it's like 6.30. I like put on my shoes. I get to my car. I drive, zoom on the freeway, exit, park. It is now like 6.55. And I'm like, fuck, I need to run, 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 run. So I am like running through this shopping center to get to the movie theater. I pull out <laughs> my phone where the, the QR code is. I run up to the guy. And I'm like, hi, hi, hi. Um, I'm, I'm here to see um this. And then I show them the, the QR code. And then he takes out his little scanner. He's like, beep. And he's like, oh, that's weird. Let me try again. And I'm like, oh, no, this is it. I think they canceled it. And then he takes out the scanner again. Beep. Oh, okay. You're all the way down in auditorium 23. And I'm like, yep, the very end. The auditorium is like not even labeled, you guys. Like in the little cluster of auditoriums 19 through 23, auditorium 23 doesn't even have a number. Wow. So I get there. It's dark. I'm trying to find my seat. I find my seat. I look around and I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally the only one here. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, hmm, this is a really long trailer. Oh my God. And then I realize this is the end of the Thor movie. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like looking at my phone and it's like 7.05. Oh my gosh. That's when the movie was supposed to start is at 7. So then I like run out back to the guy who scanned my ticket and I was like, hey, um, I don't think you gave me the right auditorium. And while having this conversation, I'm trying to hide the fact that I'm here to see a play. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, um, I don't think I'm in the right auditorium. Can you double check? And he looks at my ticket and then he takes out the packet that has what all the movie theaters are screening. And he's like, no, you're you're in the right one. And then he looks at my ticket again. And then he's like, oh, you know what? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to tell me they canceled it. Then he says... <laughs> Today's not July 21st. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, your ticket is for July 21st. Today's July 14th. So me, little Miss Eager, showed up to my screening a week early. (laughs) 
So that was my Razzie moment of the week was just you know, oh, the stress boy. and the embarrassment of showing up to a, a movie screening a week early. <laughs> so let's cut to the actual day, <laughs> July 21st. Oh, my God. And I show up to the theater a couple minutes early. And when I walk in, there was literally only one other person <laughs> going in I thought it was gonna be other girls you know because like Killing Eve tends to be like a lot of women right, watch right. it yeah so I was like I'm gonna assume there's gonna be other girls here and they're probably Killing Eve fans I go in this is like an elderly man <laughs> and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> so this is my Oscar moment of the week Jodie Comer is an acting beast yeah whoa it was good dude holy shit when it started I couldn't even register what Jodie Comer was saying because I was in such awe of the acting that was taking place. <laughs> like, you know, when you watch someone do something that they're like really, really good, like this is their yeah. thing, like they're in the zone. That's what it was like. And I was just stunned. Like she is the real wow. deal. You guys, again, if you've seen the play, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's a scene in there where she simulates like getting raped. Oh, wow. I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I, she's just doing so much. Like, she's literally moving furniture. She's also doing costume changes on stage. And you're like, oh, whoa, she just, like, changed into a whole outfit. Right, right. Like, she'll literally yeah. put a dress over her office attire and then pull down her trousers and yeah, yeah. her jacket. And then she's, like, in a brand new outfit. And you're like, holy shit. Like, and she's doing this while acting. It's insane. If any of my friends are listening to this and they want to see it, like, I am literally down to watch it again in the theater. Friends reach out to Steffi. Yeah. In real life friends, not like, you know. (laughs) (laughs) My Oscar and Razzie moment kind of center around media as well. Ooh. It's specifically what I saw on Saturday. So on Saturday, the Wakanda Forever trailer dropped. Oh, yes, yes. I was not prepared. It's a hard one seeing that Chadwick Boseman passed away and you don't know how they're going to do the sequel. Like, it's hard to follow what Black Panther was. Mm-hmm. But to see that opening shot with Lupita Nyongo. Yeah. And the no woman, no cry. I was like, oh, wait, Obit. Oh, and it was like the airy, like, yeah. it almost sounded mythical. And uh-huh. it was just, I just was like, oh, my goodness. And then the shots of like the funeral. I'm assuming it's a funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Tears immediately. And then that scene with Angela Bassett. I need Angela Bassett to get like critical recognition for this she literally only had what 15 20 seconds 15 20 seconds and killed it like that was the reason i started crying you guys it was so good i was like geeking out over the kendrick lamar all right oh sample towards the end i was like oh shit like this is really good oh because it, it was going like everything gonna be all right yeah yeah yeah. be all right oh, like, was I was so like oh my god it's such a fantastic transition but of course, after watching it a million times that Saturday, uh-huh. I started getting sad, uh, of course. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, let me put on one of my favorite shows, P-Valley. Boom, let's watch P-Valley. Now, if you guys don't know about P-Valley, y'all need to get on P-Valley, okay? P-Valley is one of the best shows out right now. If you're looking to find like black queer characters that are written well, P-Valley's there. If you just want to watch strippers, P-Valley is there. The show is about strippers, Okay. It's such a freaking good show. And a new episode had just dropped. So I was like, oh, let me watch P-Valley. Then that freaking episode. Oh, my goodness. Loretta Devine is in this show. Oh, I 
love Loretta Devine. Uh huh. Loretta Devine plays the grandmother of one of the characters in this show. I'm not going to spoil it, but last episode was super, super, super hard. A character passes away. It was a rough watch. Okay. And then this episode is the same thing. Heavy topics. We have one of the characters trying to get out of a, an abusive situation. In the, the P-Valley world, they're still going through the first stages of COVID. Mm. So people are still wearing masks in the show. There are abortion conversations in this episode. Loretta Devine acted her ass off in this episode. And I was just tearing up again. And I was like, this didn't help. This didn't help at all. But it was also an Oscar moment because both Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and P-Valley. It was just amazing art. Amazing art. Love it. That I love to consume. Yes. So boom. We are fans of quality projects. Yes. All right. Should we get into it? We should get into it. And again, I keep I keep prefacing the edit. <laughs> Listen, it's corny, but it happened. It definitely happened. <laughs> it's corny. It happened. All right. Well, let's get into it. The SWV episode. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite albums to come out of the 90s by one of my all-time favorite artists, SWV's It's About Time. So by 1992, Invoke proved that women could be successful while doing old-school church harmonies on top of modern hip-hop street beats, and record labels sought out to find the next up-and-coming soul singers that they could partner up with New Jack Swing sounds. And SWV was definitely the fruits of that labor. Released on October 27th, 1992 by RCA Records, It's About Time was SWV's critically acclaimed debut album. And although the initial receptions to SWV's first single was lukewarm, by the end of this era, It's About Time would become a 90s classic, spawn five top 10 hit singles, and solidify SWV's space within the girl group Pantheon. Singles include So Into You, You're Always On My Mind, both versions of Right Here, Anything, and the mega hit Week. Producers and songwriters include Donald D. Bowden, Michael Brown, Supreme King, Brian Alexander Morgan, Jannard Parker, Taj and Coco, Cheryl Gamble, Jeff Red, and Gene McFadden. And if you're still wondering what SWV means, it's Sisters with Voices, and the trio includes Cheryl Coco Gordon, Tamara Taj Johnson, and Leanne Lily Lyons. So, when was the first time you listened to this album, and what were your initial impressions? Okay, so obviously I knew Right Here, Human Nature Remix. I knew a handful of their other songs, but really the first time I listened to this album from beginning to end was over the weekend. <laughs> I have to say SWV has special recognition in my heart because they are the first and only girl group at the moment of recording this that I have seen live. Woo! They were the opening act for uh, Tony Braxton back in 2019 when I saw Tony live there. It was SWV and then Babyface and then Tony Braxton came out. So um, yeah. Only girl group I have seen live thus far. And how did you like them? I mean, they were great. They were great live in 2019. And as far as this album is concerned, I I really liked it. It's interesting to be back with an album that sounds so 
early 90s after listening to albums from the 2000s. But yeah, there's definitely some gems on here. And there's no songs that I like absolutely hate. There was never a song that when it came on, I was like, absolutely not. Unlike, you know, Danity Kane. (laughs) 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 But it's something that I like. I I think is obvious, but I was coming to the realization of as I was listening to this album is I'm more lenient with generic, typical sounding songs from the 90s versus like the generic, typical sounding songs of the 2000s. Not to say that there's like generic songs on this album, but there are songs that very much feel like of that time and basically what i'm trying to say is i like 90s music more than 2000s music and even like when 90s music isn't the best it doesn't upset me as much as like a bad 2000s song (laughs) if that makes sense yeah that definitely is fair it's just all personal taste some people are gonna be like no fuck the 90s i love the 2000s so that's not me but congrats to you (laughs) you said congrats to you yeah (laughs) well um I don't remember the first time I listened to this album because it was always within my space. Mm -hmm. I want to say my dad probably bought the first album and then having older siblings who loved the bands of and the groups of the early 90s, like TLC, Mm -hmm. Boys to Men, Immature, SWV was definitely on their radar. So I probably got it from them as well. But again, I don't remember the absolute first time I heard the album. I do remember that I didn't like all the songs at first. Right, yeah. And I didn't listen to a lot of the album at first outside of the the singles. Right. But I will say when I first listened to it as a teenager, an adult, I just fell in love with this album all over again. Mm. Like I said before, one of my all-time favorite albums to come out of the 90s. It's a solid project. Yeah. Great songs, vocals on point everything's on point do you think you like it more now versus back then as like a kid growing up with the album or absolutely i mean now i can appreciate it as like a recording music person right okay yeah yeah yeah. i can appreciate it as an adult lyrically i can appreciate it more because i went to music school right and my field is in music Mm -hmm. but then also too it has those moments of just nostalgia right so i'm just like oh i get the sweetness of that plus being able to connect with it in completely different ways Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. i was able to back in the day Mm. so i mean and that goes for most music yeah that i able to you know listen to as an adult well i mean like that's kind of like the thing with music too it's like your relationship to it is going to change over time as you get older absolutely i mean like i'm not gonna lie i with that Danity Kane album, there's certain songs where I'm like, I don't hate it as much as I did initially when we recorded yes. that episode. Yes. There is one song, you know, I'm going to stop talking about that Danity Kane album. You know what it is about that Danity Kane album? It's that idea of like when you really, really love something or you really, really hate something, it just like festers in your head for a very long time. Yeah. That's how I feel about the Danity Kane album. Yeah. I'm like, why do I hate it so much? And I can't stop thinking about why I hate it so much. But also, too, you were like in a space where you knew you liked Danity Kane, but it until we did that episode, you didn't realize why you like Danity Kane. It was like kind of like a sad <laughs> thing for me. I think I cut that line from the episode actually, but I was like, I thought I liked Danity Kane, but I guess I only really knew two <laughs> songs from Danity Kane. <laughs> People are going to listen to this SWV episode like, why do they keep talking about that Danity Kane? 
listen to the Danity Kane yes. episode and you'll know why. <laughs> but this album is nothing like that Danity Kane. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's like quite the opposite. Yeah, but like that's the thing too. With like, I'm not someone who grew up with this album. Right. But I don't feel as strongly about this album compared to Danity Kane, even though like when I listened to that, I was like, right. F no. But like, it's more like, oh, this is nice. Right. It's not like an intense, like, <gasps> yes, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With this album and In Vogue, in Vogue's Funky Divas album. If you didn't grow up with them, I can see why if you have a chill reaction to it. Like, you know, it's yeah. not bad. It's not it's not great. It's not like TLC's crazy sexy cool. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah I can yeah. understand why people would have a chill reaction to SWV and In Vogue. Again, great albums, but I think nostalgia is a big part of mm. what makes these albums like great in my opinion. But it's interesting, though, when you, like, think about why do certain albums... I mean, for me, I didn't grow up on that Crazy Sexy Cool album. But, like, I feel so strongly about the Crazy Sexy Cool album. So, like, at what point does the album, like, despite you not experiencing it, the nostalgia of it, at, like, what is the thing that elevates it and it's still able to, like... Yeah, sets it apart. I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, I'm going to use, like, a a Whitney Houston, I'm Your Baby Tonight. Like, I love that album like i will die on the hill for that album (laughs) but i wasn't alive when that album came out but i feel so strongly about that but you know like you said like a en vogue funky divas or like this album i like it but i'm not like oh i love it so much right right yeah yeah that's a really really great question maybe it comes down to taste yeah one Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. again like for this album there's so many slow jams i'm a slow jam girl And I feel like the slow jams on this album are just some of the top tier slow jams of the 90s Mm, in the R&B world. Yeah. That's not like a super ballad, like a Whitney or a Mariah. Mm, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I think it comes down to taste and what we just gravitate to at the end of the day. Mm, You know? Yeah. Same thing with Whitney. I grew up on a lot of Whitney, but I'm your baby tonight. I'm with you. I will die on that hill. But even though I will say there are certain songs that I would cut from that. But when we get to that episode, chop, chop. Uh, but <laughs> chop, chop. Chop, chop. But um, yeah, random yeah. tangent there. But it's an interesting, yes. interesting ideas. For sure. For sure. I feel like we should come back to this, this concept, that idea in future episodes. Like, does this album, a certain album, super exceed its era? to make it great and that's also like a thing too is like growing up watching these like for me i grew up watching a lot of like vh1 specials i love the 80s or like i love the 90s so like that's sort of yeah even if you don't have access to those things at a very young age i'm like okay yeah crazy sexy cool tlc or like thriller michael jackson so it's sort of like the conversation yeah around certain projects like precedes itself so you're already kind of i don't know like primed to be like oh man this is gonna be so good i don't know because for me too like i mean it was only like last year when i listened to that spice girl spice album from beginning to end for the first time and you know the first time i listened to it i wasn't like in love with it but then i kept listening to it over and over and over again and i'm like I love right. that album. Like, that's another <laughs> album. Like, I will die on the freaking hill for that debut Spice Girls album. But I don't know if it's because, like, it's such a pop culture moment and it's like the right. reputation has preceded it. I, I don't know. It's it's so hard to, to pinpoint. But I mean, but that's a great yeah. point, because with TLC, there's so many big moments that you could then experience today. 
Like you could go back and look at the vibe cover. You can go back and there's tons of interviews, but for En Vogue and SWV, there's not that same experience. Right. Yeah. If you compare like our era breakdown, which we'll get into next episode, it's like even researching for those. It's like it's not as immersive as going back and watching TLC's like crazy, sexy, cool era or like the Spice Girl Spice era or like a Michael Jackson thriller era or Whitney Houston, like even I'm Your Baby Tonight era, which wasn't that big of an album for her. But there's things there that mark the era compared to like SWV and En Vogue's era stuff that's available online that would mark this era there's not really that much in comparison to the other acts that we just said so i mean that might be it because with music nerds like us we like to experience the album and like everything around it yeah let's be obsessed with it you know but when there's not much to obsess over it starts and dies at the album right yeah and we have to experience it like that right and then on top of that if you actually didn't experience the era like a danity kane Right. Right. To make it feel bigger then there it is. It's just the album and we have to take it for face value. Like, OK, do we like the album or not? Yeah, that might be it, especially in a post MySpace, very social media heavy driven world. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we live off of is like the moments. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's like also personal taste too. like there are some people who are like, well, I don't give an F about any of that. Like, I just want the music to be good and that's it. Right, right. But then there are people like us. We want the full experience. Like, yes, I want yeah. an era. So, yeah. And there's some acts that lend itself to that, too. Right. Like, there's more indie acts. Like, they don't give a shit about that. So they don't. <laughs> They're like, take this album. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yes. All right, well, let's get into the song Breakdown. They're like, yeah, talk about SWV now, because that's what the title of this episode is. <laughs> Can you guys stop talking about Whitney and Danny Kane, please? <laughs> oh, my Lord. God. <laughs> Sorry, that Danny Kane album really Sorry. threw me for a loop. <laughs> it's like weeks out. She's like, we're still going to talk. That's what, I mean, Danny Kane is my Killing Eve season four, okay? <laughs> Fuck. All right, so let's get into the song breakdown segment. This is a segment where we're going to go track by track. And once we finish going through all the tracks, Steffi and I will be going back and forth talking about our top three favorites, which song we would cut and which song we think is the underrated gem. So let's start with track one, anything written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan. talk to us all right well i mean the beginning immediately makes me feel like i'm back in the early 90s yes even though i was a literal toddler in 1993 (laughs) i don't even think i was yeah i wasn't even born yet when this album came out oh i mean also by the way this album came out in 1992 yes and that means that 2022 would mark the 30th anniversary of it's about time. Yes, so yes. happy 30th birthday. <laughs> it's about time. But yeah, back to um, anything. I really like their opening harmonies. It feels very much like setting the stage. I agree. That's how I feel about this song. Like production sounds very early 90s with like the keys and the water droplets in the background. But it's interesting that they begin this 
album, their debut album with a slow mid-tempo song. I agree. Like you usually don't put your slow jam as track one. This feels like a track 11 (laughs) track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When we're talking about sequencing, usually you always put your top hit and then what you think would be the follow-up single or a filler. Right. Right. Uh Uh-huh. So I think it's pretty bold for SWV to start off the album with a slow and sexy song. But I absolutely love this song. Yeah. I love a slow jam, a 90s slow jam, Mm -hmm. heavy on the piano, nice, you know, vocals. They singing down, nice backgrounds. Let's go. Well, I mean, should we also bring up the fact that this song has a remix yes that appeared on the above the rim soundtrack that's a film from 1994 i gotta be honest i prefer (laughs) the remix yes it's a bit faster i imagine that's what you would play at the party it grooves even the the music video reflects that vibe Yeah, I, I think personally, as much as I do, I mean, hello, I'm a ballad girl, but <laughs> I really do enjoy the remix more than the original. And just in general, too, I feel like this album is a really good example of what a good remix yes. can do to yeah. a song in terms of like breathing new life into it. Yes. And SWV is one of the few acts that knows how to do a remix well. Yes. SWV's remixes, we're going to talk about another remix later on this album. Their remixes are really well done. Yeah. All right. Let's get into track two. I'm So Into You, written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan. And this was the second single from this album. Oh my gosh, I love this song. Like for me, when I think SWV, like obviously there's other songs in there that are just so iconic to their discography, but I feel them so much on this song. Like this feels SWV to me. There's like a, there's like a carefree innocence and youth of the 90s that's perfectly captured in the song. And it feels like, you're hearing people who are like in their teens or early 20s. Right. I'm pretty sure SWV was that age when they did this album. Yeah. But it's like interesting to, again, go from last week we were in Pussycat Dolls. Like these are like grown women right, to now right. being back in the 90s with SWV. And it's just, yeah, there's just such a, a carefree innocence yeah. to them on this track, especially. And I, I love the the groove is so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a groove. And that pre-chorus, yes, their harmony—it's so playful. Absolutely. Vocal 
vocals, vocals, vocals. The vocals are on point with this track. Like you, I absolutely love how upbeat it is, how it feels good. It definitely feels like summer to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're in your convertible car going down PCH at the beach. Yeah. It's, it feels yeah. very much that. Mm-hmm. A full bop. I love that it's very easy to sing along to. I love the end. I love that so much. It just it's just a feel good record. It is. You know, at the end of the day. I also didn't know too until you sent me that unsung video. SWV has an episode of Unsung that's available to watch on YouTube if you guys want to check it out. But the producer, Brian Alexander Morgan, was talking about how, like, the hook, I'm So Into You, is mm-hmm. taken from Peebo Bryson's 1978 song. I'm so into you. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Ooh. And I thought that was just, like, so cool. Like, I didn't know that. But I think that's also sort of a trend that was popular at the time from the 90s, especially was like referencing things from the 70s. Yes. But then like reinterpreting them in a 90s way. It's cool. Because if we think about it, that's kind of the stuff that they grew up on. Yeah. Yeah. These are kids who are acts that are about 1920. So that means they were born in the 70s mm. and they grew up on 70s records. Yeah. So that's like their childhood records. Yeah. You know, and then now they're like interpreting their childhood records. Yeah. I mean, like that's kind of like a similar trend to today. Like you have artists Absolutely. who are like referencing things from like the 80s and the 90s because that's what yeah. they grew up on. So. Right, right, right. Cool. Let's do it. All right. So track three right here, written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan and Tamara Johnson. This was the first single from the album. All right, well, at the beginning, there's a little skit that's cute, yeah. but I love that it's short, at and vogue. Ayo, <laughs> hey, T-Roni, I really like this guy, but he's just too blonde to see. For real, Coco? Dag, what you gonna do about that? I don't know. Sing it to him, Coco. Yeah, Lee, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna let him know that I ain't going nowhere, and my love is gonna be right here. For real, though. Word. They took notes there. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard because... You know, growing up, the remix is so prominent right? that when you go back to the original, you're like, oh, it's a different energy. It's not right. a bad energy, but it's a different energy. <laughs> yes. And you definitely feel like something is missing. Right. And I would go so far to say I feel like if it wasn't for that remix, I would have not been surprised if right here would have felt more like a filler. Absolutely. I agree. I don't think I've ever told you this, but for the longest, I didn't know this version existed. Oh. Of Right Here. Oh. Because I only interacted with the remix. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like a lot of people only interact with the remix. (laughs) (laughs) So when I actually like grew up in high school, going into my late teens, early 20s, and I really sat and listened to the album, I was like, oh, wait, 
this is right here, right here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. If you guys listen to the remix, there is a completely different vibe. Yeah. I think this is a perfect example of New Jack Swing though. Mm. Done right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you said, it does feel like a filler at times. Mm -hmm. I have to be in the mood for this record. Yeah. It's like interesting too, because I think we stereotypically think like remix means like, oh, the remix is going to be faster, but actually the right here, human nature remix, it's like, it breathes. Yeah. Whereas this is like, it's, it's like faster because Mm -hmm. again of that new Jack swing. Yeah. So it's fine, but I prefer the remix. Right. Right. And on this record, on on this version of the record, if you guys actually listen to the lyrics, the lyrics are really good, Mm. but it feels so, it feels like I'm missing something Mm. because it's so fast. Well, yeah, I feel like sometimes that's like the problem when you have a song that's so up-tempo is you lose the the lyrics. Right, right. Um, Yeah. But at least we got a remix that we'll talk about later. (laughs) (laughs) All right, track four week the behemoth week oh my lord written and produced by brian alexander morgan shout out to brian alexander morgan and this was swv's third single okay wow that's shocking yeah i mean the fact that it's the third but man what a single to give you legs exactly i get so weak in the is like one of the best 90s r&b ballads period um i think every girl group has to have at least one iconic ballad in their discography and this is swv's it's one of their signature songs and when i saw them live pre-pandemic the minute the everyone was like "Woo!" like they got so excited it's the hit yeah, like, I mean, the opening keys are, are so iconic. The keys in general yeah. to this song are such an instrumental part of that melody, along with the snaps. Yeah. I love the melody in general of this entire song. Like, in the verse, it's great. It's simple. Yeah. And again, the simplicity allows you to really hear the lyrics. Right. And then from the verse melody, it builds into the chorus so seamlessly. Yeah. And by the time you get to the, the chorus, like, the melody just, like, flows into the next line into the next line into the next line and and for me it feels like when you're telling a story and you just keep saying and then and then and then but it's not in like an annoying run-on sentence sort of way it's more like i can't stop my emotions because i'm feeling all of the things and i need to let you know right now yeah it's very much giving for my killing eve fans out there (laughs) this this is eve palastri season one finale monologue when she's sitting on the bed across from Villanelle and she's like I think about you all the time like Eve should have just stood there with a boombox playing weak in fact when I edit this episode I'm gonna I'm gonna play the monologue and I will freaking bring up weak in the background (laughs) and we will all enjoy that edit because that's an edit that could only happen on diva dailies you'll not get that edit anywhere else 
It only happens here. <laughs> we need to have like a, a Diva Daily's exclusive stamp. Yeah. That's this is an Diva exclusive. Daily's exclusive. The exclusive remix. <laughs> Killing Eve meets SWV. <laughs> and it's a thing that we just do on the podcast. We just keep yeah. doing random stuff like this. Yeah. We'll, we'll meld TV shows, put music in the background of all of it. That's what we, that's what we do. This is Diva Daily's. Oh You're welcome. I think about you all the time. This is an exclusive. Diva Daily exclusive. I think about what you're wearing and what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I think about what friends you have. I think about what you eat before you work, what shampoo you use, what happened in your family. I think about your eyes and your mouth and what you feel when you kill someone. I think about what you have for breakfast. I just want to know everything yo so one thing that's yeah, just like oh my god that was a lot more no. than mercy <laughs> i think this is a quintessential song of the 90s yeah this is for me top five most iconic r&b songs of the 90s mm-hmm. to me this is a perfect song yeah when when people say i love 90s r&b this is what i'm referring to yeah Coco's tone is so exquisite. This song, like, essentially solidified SWV sound. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, love, love. It sounds like they're yearning mm. on the track. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like they're begging. When artists can do that, you have a special place in my heart. Right. Because I love to yearn, uh-huh. but not beg. SWV, you did it right. So does E. Palastri. She likes to yearn. There was a lot of yearning, and unfortunately, it never <laughs> built up to anything substantial. But I mean, it did, and then she got killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just like I really felt like a guttural, like traumatic, like shock echo through from the top to the bottom. I just, Lord have mercy, I got gunned down on that ship just now. So here we, here we go. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Oh, Woo! the trauma are going to be like the trauma. So can you guys talk about SWV, please? <laughs> <laughs> this whole it's a covert killing Eve episode. Now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but also, I do have to shout out the runs and the ad libs. I think the ad libs are just as iconic as the main verse and the chorus. Uh huh. You have to sing ad libs when you are singing this song, especially like when she gets towards the end and you have that breakdown. Yes. Do yeah. do. Try to fight it. Do, you gotta do all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's happening. I try hard to fight it. No way can I deny it. Your love so sweet. Reminds me of my pain. I get so weak. Okay, so track five. You're always on my mind. Written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan. They love the keys, don't they? They love a key. They love a slow, dramatic build-up to a beat drop. the guy the guy is actually the producer brian alexander morgan 
interesting because he is not credited really <laughs> so, <laughs> as a performer on the track. But, you know, hearing a male voice on the song, something new. But yeah, I like the song, but I wouldn't be like rushing to listen to it. Right. It feels more vibey to me. It's definitely a vibe. It's my kind of vibe. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album. Just like you pointed out, Brian Alexander Morgan is not credited. But this reminds me of a trend that happened in the 90s where there would be like this unknown singer featured on a song, but not officially credited. Mm -hmm. One of the most notable ones is Aaliyah's Never Giving Up on her 1996 album, One in a Million. There's a guy on there. I still to this day don't know who that guy is, but he's not credited, but sounds amazing. I'm giving my love to you day and night. Aaliyah, I'm gonna be like you said great vibe mr morgan has great vocals i love the end like the musical break where it goes thinking about you yeah thinking about you oh i love 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 that part and i love it so much that right after it ends it makes me want to restart the whole song Mm -hmm. because the build to that part is perfect for me. That's like a typical thing too in an SWV song is they have a breakdown. Yeah. At the end of their songs. So yes, yes. Nice bridge. All of that. Yes. So track six, downtown produced by Gennard Parker. So see, you'll like my note for this because this song really reminds me of Janet's Some Days Tonight off of Rhythm Nation because in both of these songs, there's a talking bit. Boy, I want you to listen closely to what I have to say. No, please don't say anything. There's something I need to say to you. Thematically, like lyrically sort of similar. Mm-hmm. And even the melody, I feel like for downtown, it's sort of a like an early 90s version of Some Day Is Tonight, but a little faster, a little bit more mid-tempo. Right. You can't stop Yeah, when I first heard the song, I was like, oh my God, this is giving me like Janet's Some Days Tonight vibes. And I really like that song. So, <laughs> And I really like that. <laughs> and I really like that song, Angie. This is a side note. I just started liking that song. What? Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Well, Jan fam, again, the at is at Poetry Soul 3. Every time. It's a thing now on the podcast. <laughs> like, oh, don't like that. Hit her up. File your complaints <laughs> at Poetry Soul 3. <laughs> but in my notes, I brought up Janet as well. 
because this song is about oral sex and for a girl group to talk about sex like this it wasn't really happening this is pre adina howard's freak like me this is pre janet jackson's anytime any place For them to do a mid-tempo, which the lyrics can be interpreted as something else, I love it. Yeah. This was also one of the songs that got me in trouble as a kid because I would sing this with all my soul and might at eight years old. And my siblings would be like, do you know what the song is about? And I'm like, yes, they're going downtown. Don't you know? And just like, like, um, I've been there. When you're alone, when life is making you lonely, you can always go Where? downtown. <laughs> Literally me. <laughs> Literally me. But also, when I found out the meaning of this song, it became an instant classic for me because you already know I love a sexy slow jam. Give me okay. the moans. Uh-huh. Give me all of that. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, that's the downtown Angie <laughs> prefers. I prefer, like, shopping bag. Let's listen to the, do, 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 the city. I am shopping. Yes. <laughs> Coco also didn't know which downtown they were referring to in the song. So she legit thought it was a song about going downtown. Yeah, with her shopping bags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> There's only two. Just kidding. <laughs> Britney Spears. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Track seven. Coming home. Produced by Michael Brown. So I. I like this song because mainly of the sample. It samples one of my favorite songs from the 90s. It's High Fives, I Like the Way. interesting too because that song just came out two years prior to yeah. this song so it's a bold move it's interesting that they are sampling a song so recent but i think it works the song coming home itself is fine but like what really stands out for me is the sample yeah because i just really love that song yeah like i said it's a it's a bold move to sample a song that not only came out two years prior but was a hit yeah that song was pretty big mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah and kudos to them for making a solid song out of that Mm -hmm. with the sample. I love this song so much. Mm -hmm. Feels like a summer bop to me. Yeah. Vocals are on point. Coco's runs and ad-libs at the end on the yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like she just goes for it and I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. 
Boom. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying that after we're done. Boom. That's how we <laughs> signify that we are end of discussion. <laughs> On to the next. On to the next. I didn't know I was going to be singing again. That's what you do here. Track eight, Give It To Me, produced by Jannard Parker. Right It's fine. It's a filler for me. Like the song itself, it's like another 90s New Jack Swing song. There's a rap from a guy. Congrats to you, sir. But the song itself, forgettable. You said there's a rap by this guy. Again, uncredited. Uncredited, yeah. I feel the same way. It could be a skip for me. It's not a bad song. Yeah, it's not a bad song. If I were to play this album, I'd just let it play out. I wouldn't feel moved any other way. But if I'm like listening to specific songs, it would be a skip for me. Yeah. Definitely feels like a filler for sure. Mm -hmm. To me, this is what New Jack Swing sounds like across the board. Okay. If it's not unique. It's like a generic New Jack Swing song, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, boom. (laughs) All right, boom. (laughs) All right, here we go. Track nine, Black Pudding, produced by Saffron King. Now mama's little baby loves toast and jam. Notes in your mouth, but I can get your hands. Black Pudding. Separates the boys from the men. You can not like a Jehovah, but you can't get it. Maybe you can get a scoop if you're really all of that. And you can leave your fake fingernails on my back. Now I may not be a lady, but I'm surely all woman. So check it, the poop is in the pudding. Okay, well, I'm assuming this is them rapping. Yes. Because, you know, no other credited person. I feel like in comparison to En Vogue, who also ventured in rapping in that album that we covered, uh, what is it, uh, Funky Divas? Yes. I feel like SWV, it's like more serviceable than En Vogue's rapping. Right. Their style feels like they were channeling salt and pepper yeah yeah this song really reminded me of shoop right from salt and pepper and that song comes out a month before this album uh, here i go here i go here i go again oh, girls man. what's my weakness okay then chilling chilling minding my business Word. your souls i looked around and i couldn't believe this i swear i stand my niece my witness the brother had it going over something kind of yeah, I, I'm wondering too if it's more so because like there's a very specific flow yeah. to early 90s rap. Right. So that's probably what they were picking up on as well. But I felt very much like, ooh, salt and pepper. Yeah. That's what SWV was trying to channel on this one for me. Absolutely. Definitely feels like early 90s rap. Yeah. Quintessential early 90s rap. Mm-hmm. Very much like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and yeah. even early Left Eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed that TLC came out earlier this year. Right. So they came out in February 92. SWV obviously came out October of that year. Yeah. But I feel like this definitely inspired In Vogue Mm. because Funky Divas comes out a year later and it seemed like In Vogue was trying to do the hip thing. They saw these two big groups, right? TLC blew up. SWV blew up. What did they both have? Rap. 
in Vogue did not have rap at the time. Their first album didn't have a rap moment. And so I think this was their their way of trying to integrate hip hop into their space. Right. And they were trying to do it like Black Pudding. But I don't think they succeeded. But I think that's because SWV and TLC feel more authentic. Yes. In their rap. Like, it seems like they're more rooted in hip hop. Yeah. So it comes off more authentic versus In Vogue trying to integrate hip hop within their space. But they didn't grow up on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, SWV, they're, I mean, not to be ageist, but they're younger than En Vogue. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense that someone young in the early 90s is probably going to relate more and listen to hip hop and rap versus like right. En Vogue. I'm not quite sure. At least when you listen to their music, it doesn't seem like that was something that was very prevalent compared to, right, right, you know, right. they were probably listening to more like The Emotions or yeah. those like classic girl groups from like the 70s. So, well, and then also too, En Vogue gave off right from the jump grown and sexy yeah so then it feels a little bit weird that they integrated hip-hop in their space the way that they did because it kind of diverts from their image right the grown and sexy image you know right yeah where tlc and swv that was their image mm-hmm. they were hip-hop in r&b form yeah it's like janet working in rap and hip-hop into her music yeah. versus like a Whitney Houston working rap and right. hip-hop into her music. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> that is the perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> Track 10, It's About Time, which is the namesake of the album, produced by Donald D. Bowden. It's about time Okay, so for me, the beginning sounds so much like Mariah Carey slipping away. And that is a song specifically from her Rarities album. It's a song that was supposed to come out in 1996. I will play the beginning of SWV's song and then I'll play the Mariah song so you guys can hear what I'm hearing. I really enjoy slipping away so when i first heard the beginning of it's about time i was like oh but um yeah i'm predicting that this song is gonna grow on me over time yeah and especially towards the end mm. coco goes in again as she does coco and the vocals okay it's time to hold my hand it's time to be Another slow jam. I love a slow jam. 
So <laughs> this is on top list. Mm-hmm. Great vocals, great production, great background vocals. Shout out to Lily and Taj because we haven't really talked about Lily and Taj, but they are absolutely great vocalists. Oh, yeah. And I think even though they're doo-wop pop popping on this track, they are going in. Mm-hmm. They're going in. Yeah. Track 11, Think You're Gonna Like It, produced again by Brian Alexander Morgan. <laughs> Well, this is an important like point in the album because, you know, our friend Brian Alexander Morgan has been gone for a couple of the past songs. So as soon as this song started, I felt like a smile creep on my face. And this was without even knowing that this was him again. But I feel like when he came back on the album, I felt SWV come back too. like this one really feels like them. Yeah. You got that fun SWV groove that I really enjoy. And I just feel like, too, you know, important to note that in terms of songwriting credit, we have Coco and Taj have co-songwriting credit with Brian Alexander Morgan. Lily, where were you, girl? I don't know. <laughs> but um, but um, I feel like in hindsight, I really prefer the Brian Alexander Morgan tracks on this album. And it seems like he really understood SWV. It was a good creative partnership. And... I'm assuming since two out of three of the members have writing credit with him on this track, it seems like he really mentored them musically as well. So shout out to him. Yeah. This song, again, feels like summer. Mm -hmm. It feels like a cookout song that you could play at one of the cookouts. Mm. I love this song. The ad libs at the end. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. But it all goes back to shout out to Coco. (laughs) Shout out to Coco. (laughs) Well, clearly Angie has a favorite here. (laughs) Which I I will say this. It's interesting that Coco got so much lead space Mm -hmm. on this album as opposed to their second album Mm -hmm. where you see like Taj going on lead and Taj's voice is very deep. It's it's very Sade-esque and it it sounds really sexy. So it's interesting that they, they chose not to use Taj's voice on this record as lead. Uh-huh. I don't know how Taj's voice would have done on New Jack Swing. Mm. She really knew how to ride a mid to late 90s groove. Right. On their later work. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting, sometimes, even if you do have strong singers throughout, your entire group is filled with strong singers. Yeah. Sometimes, like, it just really depends on, like, what is popular in terms of sound at the time that will change who then will step into the lead role. I mean, like this is such a random reference, but like I remember I was watching this Backstreet Boys documentary (laughs) because that group, I think they started super late eighties or early nineties. And there was like a particular style of music that was very popular at the time. And that suited Howie's voice. Right. But then as the nineties kept going, trends change and Howie wasn't really the lead when the Backstreet Boys were like at their peak it was more like Brian Brian, and Nick because their voices lent themselves to what was popular at the time so absolutely maybe that's kind of also what happened here with uh, SWV and it's interesting comparing them to to In Vogue where In Vogue yeah it was pretty much any member 
can do lead. Mm-hmm. You heard them swap out leads all the time. Yeah. And SWV, we know Coco as lead, right? Yeah. It wasn't like TLC either, where everybody had a space. Mm-hmm. You always knew Chili was going to be on the bridge. Left Eye normally came in with the rap. Yeah. T-Boz on leads. SWV was definitely Coco for the most part on this album specifically. Well, and that's what's going to contribute to some problems. Yes. <laughs> We'll get to that in part two. (laughs) Track 12, That's What I Need, produced again by Brian Alexander Morgan. will grow on me i'm not quite there yet but i know me this will grow on me over time (laughs) on this one the o's at the end okay okay yeah this one sounds like they're giving a nod to new additions can you stand the rain Mm. which i love can you stand the rain is one of my all-time favorite songs So I like that little nod at the end. Mm-hmm. This is just, again, a slow jam. Yeah. That sounds great. It's a vibe. The background's on point. It's soft. It's lush. I love it. And at this point, we need to really, really give a hardcore shout out to Brian Alexander Morgan. because In case you didn't know. He did the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing the damn thing on this album until we get to track 13. Okay, well, I guess we're here. (laughs) Track 13, SWV in the house, produced by Brian Alexander Morgan and BJG. Okay, so for me, this feels very TLC like ooh on the TLC tip era TLC debuted earlier in the year, so they're both coming out at around the same time. But yeah, this song, it's more of like a vibey song. There's not really much song structure present in it. It's fine. I'm not like, woo! <laughs> but it's fine. Uh, this is this is a for sure skip for me. Mm. And I didn't realize it until you said it sounds like TLC, but that's probably why. Yeah. Because it feels like this song is for another artist. Yeah, like it literally feels like they could have given this song to TLC and it would have worked. <laughs> yeah. Or crisscross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds like a crisscross record too. It just doesn't sound like SWV, especially on this album. And maybe it's placement too, the sequencing of this uh, song. Mm. I think maybe if they put it right after Black Puddin, 
Mm-hmm. It could have flowed better. I may have been more receptive to it. Mm-hmm. But you giving me a, a slow jam, and then we go into this, and then if we're about to go into another slow jam, fam. <laughs> no, thank you. Right. Skip. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to move on to the next. <laughs> Track 14, Week, the acapella version, written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan. I get so weak in the knees, I can hardly speak, I lose all control, then something takes over me, in a day you look so amazing, it's not a face, I want you to stay with me, by my side I swallow my pride, your love is so sweet, it knocks me right off of my feet, can explain why you love talk to us okay so for this one i really gain such an appreciation for how amazing those background vocals are Mm -hmm. especially with how they interweave with the main vocal now it's time to give praise to lily and taj hello we're here (laughs) i see you i hear you i agree though i understand why it's short because if you guys didn't know the next track that we're going to talk about wasn't on the original debut album. Right. It was on the 1993 re-release. So Week was essentially the last song on the album. Mm-hmm. So I understand why it's as short as it is, but I wish we had the whole thing. Mm. Acapella. 30th anniversary special re-release. Give Boom. us the full acapella version. Or even if it was like a different version. I mean, I could do acapella. Because this track goes. I I love this track so much. Well, I know like in some of their music videos, it seems like there's alternate vocals in their music video. Yeah. Yeah, there is. So. I don't want anything heavy. Hmm. It doesn't even have to be piano. It could be like light strings in the back. Yeah. Oh, a string. Strings. Orchestra. Hey, SWV. Orchestra. (laughs) Acapella. Oh my God. I would love like an orchestral version of Week. That'd be so good. (gasps) Like, you know how, like, Spice Girls has orchestral version of, like, To Become One and Too Much? Like, they should have done that with them here for a week. You know, if they ever have a performance date, like the Grammys or BT Awards Soul Train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them the orchestral version of week. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Come all the way through. We're giving them free ideas. Now, listen, if that happens, we have to come back to this moment. Those people are (laughs) listening to this podcast. (laughs) All right, here we go. Track 15, right here, the Human Nature Remix. Again, this was not on the original 1992 version. This was on the 1993 reissue, and this was written and produced by Brian Alexander Morgan. Start the dissertation. Here we go. <laughs> I love this song. Like it feels so good. A lot of like my favorite songs in general, but especially like from the nineties, they just have this feel good vibe. And now we enter the dissertation portion <laughs> of the discussion of Right Here Human Nature Radio Mix. So just in case you didn't know, this samples Michael Jackson's Human Nature. 
about a remix that elevates and breathes new life into a song. Because Michael's ad-libs on here sound so good. Mm -hmm. And then like the human nature melody too, that it just sounds so good. But I think what's amazing about the right here Human Nature radio mix is the fact that this is a song that is still able to stand on its own despite the huge sample. Right. And I'm saying this as a huge Michael Jackson fan, and I love Human Nature. That's like in my top five right. Michael Jackson songs. But the fact that I am able to separate this as an SWV song and not think, gosh, I wish I was listening to Human Nature. Like right. Human Nature adds, it doesn't overshadow absolutely so this is such a great example of what a wonderful remix can do and shout out to young pharrell i heard he was like 17 when he did that that's ridiculous that is crazy and i have a confession to make for the longest up until i got into high school that s double u double v oh yeah i literally thought Uh he was spelling s u u double v v v like suv oh you thought he was selling cars and i was <laughs> i just i was like that doesn't make any sense but i'm gonna it's a bop so i'm gonna yeah. just sing it it's so catchy <laughs> you're just yes. like yeah s double u's yeah double v i don't know what that means SUVs? <laughs> yeah okay. i guess and then i was like oh like a w mm-hmm. s double okay got it there we go i was in high school I, I'm embarrassed to say that, but I was in high school when I found that out. That's okay. It was like a random day in math class. So I'm just like, oh, oh, that makes sense. She's <laughs> like looking sense. at like PEMDAS <laughs> and being like, oh, yes. This remix is the ultimate remix. Yeah. When you are doing a remix, you hope it does what this remix did. Mm-hmm. You're you're praying for it, you know? It's the version of this song. Like we said earlier, it has a completely different vibe. It feels not only like summer, but specifically summer in the 90s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting in front of my TV. The song is on. I might be watching Nickelodeon, you know, chilling on my way to a family reunion specific 90s vibes yeah you know but it's everything you want in a song and i just want to give a special shout out to the demolition mix of this song i don't think a lot of people really know about it but there is an official mix called the demolition mix and it has michael's vocals like from the verses of human nature yeah they essentially like put it in the mix and listen to it i'll play a snippet of it on the pod but it's so good you guys I just listened to it for the first time yesterday and my mind was blown. I love it so much. Yeah, and she was like, oh my God, <laughs> what? And I was like, yeah, there you go.
going to get into our top three songs from this album. Steffi, start with your number three. Okay, at number three for me is I'm so into you. Get Solid one, solid one. Yeah. I think today. Oh, she's changing it. Mm-hmm. Number three is coming home. Okay. Yeah. I'm feeling it. I was feeling yeah. it this morning. Uh-huh. It's number three for me today. Okay. Yeah. Number two, weak. Shout out to um, Eve Palastri and Villanelle. <laughs> the remix. <laughs> well, my number two is right here, the remix. We know what's up. We know mm-hmm. what's good. Well, my number one is right here, the Human Nature remix. And my number one is weak. Oh, there we go. We, we flip-flopped. <laughs> but I think these are solid top twos. Yeah. Of the album. Boom. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. One song you would cut. Give it to me. Fair. We said that. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, SWV, In The House. Mm-hmm. Fair. Again. Underrated Gem. Underrated Gem. That's what I need. Now, see... I put coming home in my top three. I feel like I have to change. Oh, so now you have to mm-hmm, change mm-hmm. it up. You know, I'm going to say the album version of anything. Underrated. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. It is. It is underrated. Boom, shakalaka. For sure. So boom, there you guys have it. Track by track analysis of It's About Time, SWV's It's About Time. If people want to get a hold of you, Steffi, how do they do that? Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. That's at INN underscore MHO. And you can find me on YouTube, in my humble opinion. If you want the remix of the Eve and Villanelle version of Week, you can also reach out to me and I will send it your way. Thank you. Fam. <laughs> and if you guys want to talk to me about that crazy remix, <laughs> that crazy mix of Eve and Week, you can hit me up on Twitter at Poetry Soul 3. And on YouTube at Sleepy Nerd Productions. If you guys want to just check out the the podcast and all its socials, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Diva Daily's Pod. Email us with questions, concerns, you know, requests for mixes. Yeah, I'm here. Diva Daily's Pod <laughs> at gmail.com. There we go. <laughs> and make sure you guys tune in next week because we are breaking down the era of SWVs. It's about time. It's about time for an era breakdown. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We appreciate your time. Make sure you leave a review and recommend the pod to a friend. We really love interacting with all of you guys on socials. So we really want to build up this community. And on that note, and remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. <laughs> <laughs>